This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Back on the Blitz, Wesley Euler solo today. Yins know what that means around here. The tour de guests continues, and our next guest is a tour de force when it comes to Steelers coverage. It's our good friend of the show, good friend in real life, He's been rocking and rolling with us for, I think, about three years now here on the show, just about every single Thursday. Of course, I mean our buddy Brian Backo. Mr. Backo, what's good, cousin? How we doing? Great, man. I'm, uh, I'm swaggering in like you promised on Twitter. How we feeling? Are you feel- I'm feeling great. Are you feeling like Vince McMahon? Was that a good I- – was that okay? Is that, is that a fair uh, descriptor? You're, you know, Brian Backo swaggering into the show today. Yeah, man, that was exactly what I was doing in my head when I saw that tweet was the uh, was the Vince McMahon walk for sure. <laughs> Buddy, let's get right into it. I know you're down at the facility. I don't want to waste any of your time. Uh, get you on your way to practice here in, in just a few minutes. Um, man, it, it, we know the Steelers this season has been a roller coaster. There's been what kind of feels like hit after hit in a lot of different ways, Uh, personnel availability, injury, COVID, uh, a lot of different things. Uh, Of course, another name popping up on that list, Robert Spillane. I know he was unlikely uh, to go this weekend with a knee injury. Does it it feel like there's a concern about COVID around the facility? Do they just feel like these are a few isolated incidents? Or is this something now, you know, we've seen some names continue to pop up on this list. Uh, Does it feel like there's any extra attention maybe in that regard? Um, maybe. I mean, you're always a little bit uneasy when some of these things start popping up. It's no different than any of us in our normal lives, sure. right? Like when you have friends and, and family members who you know, maybe it's going around and, uh, you know, you're, you're asking like, oh, were you around them recently? Like when was the last time you saw them? So I'm sure there's, there's some of that. That's only natural. But the big thing for people to keep in mind, because it is such a, a fluid situation and, you know, the policies have changed from, from last year to this year. Um, it's not as worrisome for one of those full-scale outbreaks, knock on wood, like we had last year with the the Titans and the Ravens that everybody remembers affected the Steelers heavily because uh, there is no more close contact for vaccinated players. That's that's no longer a thing. Uh, That was part of the reason for the league incentivizing the vaccine was that that would uh, help keep guys off the reserve COVID list as, as long as they got the shot. And as we know, most players in the NFL have gotten it. Uh, an even higher percentage, I think, of Steelers players have gotten it. So you don't want to see uh, this going around the, the facility or the locker room or whatever. But the, the league has stepped up testing around Thanksgiving and a rise of, of case counts. And, you know, more testing, you're going to get more positives, I think. So I'm, I'm getting a really weird sense of de- deja vu right now. But uh, just trying to kind of lay it out there as, as far as like, you know, if you think somehow this, this game is going to really go sideways and need to get canceled or something on Sunday, uh, I wouldn't worry so much about that because the close contact deal is, is mostly out the window. Brian, uh, you, like myself, I, I know you are a, a big music guy. They love to listen to music. You post a double. Oh, I just was going through my Spotify rap yesterday. It was All right, give me, was, yeah, give me uh, all right, real quick, give it to me. It was a little bit harrowing at times because contemporary country was my number one genre. What? But but I've listened to 103 genres this year, so that just tells you the uh, you are the, the duality of man, yeah, going on, yeah, in in the back. I think uh, I think pop rap was number two. So who was your number one artist, Kenny Chez? Uh, no, it was actually <laughs> I don't know. If it's a sensitive subject, but um, I don't know. Morgan Wallen came in number one Ooh. for me, even though he's. Uh, He's, 
he's a little bit canceled in this day and age, but what can I say? Yeah, hey, listen, you like what you like, all right? I, I, a, lot, I'm, a lot of riding around on the lawnmower, so more country. A lot of riding around the on the lawnmower. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know, Brian Bacco out there in the uh, the rural area that is Shaler, of course, all the time. <laughs> yeah, um, you out in the boonies. Yeah, out in the boonies that is Shaler. I mean, West Virginia's got nothing on Shaler. Um, you and I both big music guys. You post adorable videos of your son on Instagram with tunes <laughs> all the time. Um this whole Chase Claypool, this music gate thing, is this – I feel like it's just gotten blown out of proportion because the team's 5-5-1, five, five and one, they're struggling, the fans are unhappy, and with something like this comes up and it seems very tone deaf and very just kind of uh, lack of awareness and reading the room, I think fans react even more emotionally, if you will, or they get even more publicly upset. Is this something that is just getting blown out of proportion because the Steelers have had some struggles in the last few weeks and that's how this goes and winning kind of cures everything and they haven't had that? Or is this like a legitimate topic in the locker room that you actually think, you know, is a legitimate topic? No, I don't think it's something that realistically causes much strife or speaks to some sort of grand philosophical uh, breakdown within the organization. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a minor distraction at the moment. And, you know, I've been busting my hump on this beat for three years since I started covering the Steelers. I wrote about this. It was one of the, one of the first stories I did for the 2019 season was just a look at, uh, you know, the role that music plays with the Steelers, although not at practice. They are one of the last uh, – the last holdout. They do play it during stretching, though, Wes, which might be a little bit of uh, something that people don't realize. So it's it's not like it's a complete Lake Placid out there uh, <laughs> when they're going through their their pre uh, pre practice stuff. But uh, yeah, it's it's long been held that they don't want uh, you know a crazy party atmosphere in the locker room. I think they get a little bit more loose on Fridays. Hard to say now since we haven't been in the locker room for two years. Sure. But that's that's my recollection from 2019. And uh, it's, it gets these guys pumped up on game day. That was the point that Chase Claypool was making that kind of got lost in all of it is, you know, Mike Tomlin likes to talk a lot about uh, trying to keep the routine the same. You know, they, they were in stadium, as he calls it, the last couple of years at training camp to get guys familiar with the, the feel of Heinz Field. Well, you know, the audio portion of that is, is a thing uh, when you're readying for regular season games. So uh, it's really not a big deal. Um, I, I think if, if you want to conflate Ben Roethlisberger's, you know, grumpy old man comment with, uh, with that being a, a legitimate source of tension, I wouldn't. I think he's probably been uh, tuning a lot of that out, literally, for uh, for years now. And when this team wins, like a lot of teams, when they win, uh, they are blasting their little baby and, and things of that nature in the locker room, and it's all fine and dandy. <laughs> Travis so Scott. Yeah, you get a win, you'll be bumping the, the Travis Scott, uh, although another guy I wouldn't be proud to say is my uh, top artist on Spotify lately, I guess. But Gosh, you got uh, to clean, you it, up. You gotta clean it up, Mr. Backo, I tell you what. We can compartmentalize. We can separate artists from, uh, from uh, actions separate away. Separate the, the art uh, from the yeah. artist. Yeah. The art from exactly. the artist. Yeah, that's right. Mr. Backo, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, Brian Backo with us here on the Steelers Blitz. Uh, Brian, your colleague, Joe Starkey, I thought wrote a good piece in the PG talking about how Effort a lot of times is just a convenient excuse. Um, how it's you know it's it's easier for for athletes of any sport after a loss to say ah, our, our effort wasn't there, as opposed to maybe just admitting we weren't good enough. And, and sometimes the fans would rather hear that too. I think it's it's just low hanging fruit. It's just easier to digest. 
you think that's the case with the Steelers, that this is just a team that is dealing with a, a, a lot of injuries and a lot of setbacks in that regard, and they didn't have an abundance of talent, talent, a plethora of depth on the roster in the first place. Is that more the issue than just the effort on a play-by-play basis? To an extent. I mean, I mostly agree with Joe's take there. Um, because, yeah, I mean, you look at the Chargers game, I, I feel like that performance, that loss is almost being unfairly lumped in uh, with the other two embarrassing games over the last few weeks, one of which technically wasn't even a loss. As we know, they tied the Lions. That right. is uh, almost as bad as what happened on the turf Sunday in, in Cincinnati. But that Chargers game was one where they were extremely depleted with their roster, and, and they did show a ton of effort and a ton of pride coming back from that one, not all the way back. So, you know, they don't ask how, they ask how many. But uh, let's just be honest about that one. That that was as encouraging a win as you can kind of have in a lot of ways, considering you did it without T.J. Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick, and Joe Hayden. Um, but here's where I would push back a little bit on, on Starkey's point is that I thought that the Bengals just snatched their soul in huh. that game, Wes. And, and it was one of those where, yeah, you saw the previous week, the, the fight that was instilled in them, maybe because they felt like everybody was counting them out in that Chargers game, and they, they didn't let it get away from them all the way. They, they put up all those points in the fourth quarter. They got some stops against Justin Herbert. Uh, there wasn't the same resolve. There wasn't the same punch back in Cincinnati for whatever reason. And uh, I think a lot of times that shows up in certainly tackling, and we know that they, they barely laid a finger on Joe Mixon. It was reminiscent of two weeks ago when the Lions were just you know, running through the, the middle with guys you've never heard of, and uh, and yet the Steelers you know, flailing at them with arm tackle attempts and, and stuff like that. So that, that to me is when effort becomes a, a legitimate issue and something that needs to be called out. And, you know, this, this past week, I mean, I, I think you see, too, uh, same thing that happened in week three against the Bengals, this lifeless effort from the offense in a lot of ways once things don't go their way. Um, and that can manifest in, in getting push up front or, or not getting pushed more accurate uh, and even just routes downfield and, you know, guys maybe not going all out. So uh, I, I would hardly say this Mike Tomlin has lost this team or anything like that. But uh, to say that, that it's a cop-out to question a team's effort or, or will to win or desire to win, uh, I don't know about that because that, that's when stories can really get blown up and, uh, and, and make people question what's going on uh, behind closed doors. Mr. Backo, I uh, pose you this question. I, I asked our buddy Chris Carter the same thing. Uh, which has been more frustrating for you to witness as it relates to the offense? Uh, a, which feels like a, a real lack of Najee Harris usage in the red zone and in particular goal-to-go situations? Or B, uh, a lack of targets for Pat Fryermuth lately, particularly over the middle of the field when it just felt like a month ago that they were really starting to cut their teeth in that area? A or B? Uh, I don't get too frustrated considering I get a paycheck either way. But, uh, <laughs> put myself in uh, in all the listeners' shoes out there. The, the Najee Harris thing at the goal line has been really hard to wrap your head around. I mean, it, shoot, they didn't even get close to the goal line really Sunday in Cincinnati. That would have been a good problem to have in that game. But you look at the previous two, and you're just left scratching your head. And, and I, I think you don't, uh, you don't want to always use a kind of a results-based thinking. I mean, that's just a little bit lazy and sure. uh, not really how you want to approach these things. Uh, I think we've been become smarter than that as fans. And yet, uh, if you would have told me going into it that the Steelers are uh, going to run one time and throw the other three 
I probably would have told you, even if it works, I don't love the, the approach or the thinking there. So uh, that's where, where I am you know, having more frustration on the fans' part, and I would more question Matt Canada, and I have questioned him about that in the past. The, the lack of targets for Fryer moves over the middle, I mean, yeah, you'd, of course you'd love to see more, but, you know, this middle of the field, down the field, you know, throw short, run long, who cares? they got to do something to spark this passing offense. doesn't so much matter to me how and, and to who. Uh, there's so many factors wrong with it right now that uh, I hesitate to pinpoint one thing like that. All right, buddy, before we let you go, you know how this works. Got to get some predictions. Got to hold your feet to the fire a little bit before I get your Stillers Ravens prediction. Real quick, tell me how the ACC championships game, game is going to play out Saturday night. Uh, Mr. Backo, I know not a single thing about Wake Forest. <laughs> I don't think I can name you one Wake Forest player. Uh, what's going to happen Saturday night? Um, I'm a little bit uh, hesitant to do this because in the Post-Gazette today, we had like five or six writers pick the game. Every single one of them, whether it was five, six, seven, they all picked Pitt. And I mean, you talk about just a a tide turning in, in this town and with this program. I mean, that kind of uh, underlines it right there. But uh, I'm, I'm with them. Uh, I think they're going to win this game. Uh, the, Sam Hartman's really good for, for Wake Forest, their quarterback. You should know about him, Wes. Uh, I, 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 he's, I think he was the noise. one player I actually could have named. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's pretty good. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who think uh, the only player they know from Pitt is Kenny Pickett, so that's fair. But, sure, sure. Um, yeah, I'm going to go Pitt in this one, and, and I don't think it's going to be uh, particularly close. I'll say Pitt by Ooh, two touchdowns. I like it. The Pitt grad, Brian Backo, calling his shot. All right. No homerism, though. Um, they're not signing my checks either. So yeah, Hashtag not. And, and, no, in fact, you're probably still sending them money to, to pay off that tuition, ipso facto. <laughs> uh, all right. I take it you're not I'll as – Steelers prediction. I take yeah. it, yeah, you're not as confident in the Steelers. Uh, but, hey, I don't want to uh, put words in your mouth. I don't want to assume. What you thinking for uh, Sunday against Baltimore? Well, I am uh, someone who, as a beat writer, is going to be a little bit more fair and objective and down the middle, and I think I can avoid getting too high on the highs. Cough, cough, 11-0 and 0 last year, or too low on the lows You know, right now. So I'm going to say that the Steelers aren't going to win too many losses, too many uh, voids to fill at this exact moment, but uh, you know, a little bit less this guy is falling because I'll say they will cover, which I'm seeing is four and a half, yep. the most recent line, and uh, I'll go Ravens 22, Steelers 18, and a little bit of an ugly slugfest where this defense uh, rises to the occasion a little bit against Lamar Jackson and a Ravens offense that isn't exactly uh, the greatest show on turf at the moment. 22. But hey, they'll still be, they'd still be under 500 at the end of the day, so... Uh, nobody's going to care about that four-point loss except for the gamblers, if I'm right. That's right. I'm sure there'll be some people down at Rivers Casino that, like you, as long as the paycheck is there, they will not be frustrated. Brian Backo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Buddy, appreciate your time every single week. We'll talk soon and take care. Sure thing. If you ever see Moats again, tell him I said hi. <laughs> Will do. I'll put out an APB for him. Let me know if you see him driving around those. Exactly. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate your time. As always, Brian Backo, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Uh, great stuff. I tell you what, am I spoiled or what? I mean, I get to sit here. I get to talk football with Chris Carter, with Brian Backo. Uh, thanks to those guys. Thanks to Mr. Backo. I know he uh, is down there at the Steelers facility. Practice starts right about now, but you know, it's normally just warm-ups and stuff like that, so usually this is the time I, I try and get Mr. Backo out of here so he's got time to walk down to practice and get down there and situated before they really get going. Always appreciate those guys' time. Uh, anybody who works in football media 
It doesn't matter if it's broadcasting, if it's newspapers, if it's television. It's a very busy time of year, you know, particularly holiday season, all the stuff that comes with that. You know, Brian, like myself, has has a has a uh, I mean, his son is is a couple years old now, but, you know, still has a a child that he's responsible for and looks after, you know, not seven weeks old like my daughter is, but his son um, still, you know, in that toddler stage, if you will. Uh, appreciate those guys, Chris Carter, Brian Bacco, for lending me their time today in a uh, very busy time of the year. It's much appreciated. If you guys want to chime in, you know the drill. You can get at me on Twitter. At Wesley Euler is where I will take your questions, your comments, your concerns, and your reactions. we got a few of them already. Uh, Keep those rolling in. We'll get to them shortly. But first, one of the things that I like to do sometimes here um, when Moats is out, when I'm solo, is I like to play back. You guys have heard me. I'm, I'm a disciple. I'm a big fan, whatever you want to call it. I'm a P1 of, uh, of the DVE morning show here in this building. Uh, I grew up listening to all of them, uh, to Randy, to Bill, to Val, to Pursuta. Um, grew up listening to those guys driving to high school um, throughout my life. Now I work in the same building as them. It's pretty cool. They're great people. They get the best Steelers guests in town. I mean, they're the DVE morning show on the flagship. What do you expect? One of the people that they have on every Monday after a loss that I always like to get the opinion of is, of course, former Steelers quarterback, Steelers analyst Charlie Batch. You hear him on the postgame show with Stan Saverin. Here's what he had to say this week in the fallout uh, after the Cincinnati game on DVE. Here's Chuck. Take a listen. It's your radio home of the Steelers, 102.5 DVE. Charlie Batch from the Pittsburgh Steelers Radio Network postgame joining us right now and charlie first of all let, let, let's start with some nice pleasantries how was your thanksgiving <laughs> thanksgiving was really good we had a lot of a lot of people come through in and out throughout the day so it was really good to see family and friends we try to keep it light only because we're still kind of in this pandemic and we wanted to make sure everybody was comfortable as they were coming in and out of the house but overall it was really good to be around family and friends yeah good deal uh now will you still eat leftovers today or are they gone uh, generally they take the majority of the leftovers with them because I'm, <laughs> I'm not that big of a leftover. You know, my mom kind of, you know, uh, to- tortured me when I was younger. You know, you go Thanksgiving, then there's leftovers on Friday. By the time you get to Sunday, it's turkey soup. You know, yep. <laughs> <I'm> like, oh. <laughs> that's where I'm at right now. Either way, I'm, I'm good with two days of leftovers. And after that, I'm done. All right. So the Steelers, uh, I don't know what they're going to do this week. Now, if you're coach Tomlin, and you sit down to game plan for the Ravens this week. What is your first point of this is the first thing we need to fix before we fix everything else? They need to control the line of scrimmage. And right now, offensive and defensive lines, they're not getting it done consistently. You know, there, there are people who are getting done individually, but collectively a group. That's the, That starts the issue. And right now, offensively, they truly don't have an identity. So those are things that we've been talking about throughout the course of this season. It is showing up glaringly as the season moves on, but no one expected the run game and our run defense to be in the manner that it is now. This is something that is really unprecedented because we haven't seen this throughout our time. Charlie, take us inside the locker room. After a loss like that, who's who's talking? Is it is it just you're huddling up with position groups? Who's, uh, who's rallying the troops or, or coming in and delivering a speech after a game like that? Yeah, it's definitely uh, Coach Tomlin because player-wise, you know you laid an egg out there. There's nothing a player can actually say after the game that he probably would have said prior to the game, let alone it didn't light a fire on everybody. But, but so I think – 
Tomlin now, you know, this is his biggest challenge right now because he had, had this this type of butt whooping hasn't happened uh, throughout his time here. And then all of a sudden, here you are now to address your, your guys in the locker room and say, guys, we didn't get it done. Now it's a matter of how does he now recoup from this? Did he kind of essentially burn the tape and say, we're not going to look at this because we know the glaring needs that are at hand? Or do you now take a deeper dive today and saying, guys, we need to now correct these mistakes. These were things that I talked about weeks ago, even when we had our win streak. But unfortunately, now these things are now starting to creep in. And it just looks like a tired football team right now. Uh, a lot of people were taking the vantage point of, well, Ben looked good against the Chargers. And so the Steelers thought, well, we could just revert back to throwing the ball all over the place. But that wasn't necessarily what happened, right? I mean, this was more about we know we can't run the ball and it's our only chance is to get out there and wing it. Yeah, I mean, the, they knew the Bengals coming in here. They were fourth in the run defense. So you knew that it was going to be a challenge running the football, but you at least had to attempt to do that. Unfortunately, when you win the coin toss and you now defer and they go down and put seven points on the board, now you're playing from a, behind, essentially. And that's what happened. You get down 10 points and all of a sudden you're like, okay, is the game plan out of, out of whack now? Or, you know, if you're Ben Roethlisberger at that point, you're saying, hey, just put the ball in my hands. We're going to go back to putting this quick, short passing game, something that worked for us last year, and try to now continue to do that. Unfortunately, this team is not built in the same manner that it was last year. And if this team gets behind, man, it's very tough to come back in any type of year, let alone the way the state of his offense is on uh, underneath Matt Canada. Ben had a sack fumble uh, this past Sunday. It seems like he's been pretty good about getting the ball out quickly. I mean, it's all he can do. Uh, should he have an even quicker sort of pocket awareness than he's had previous to this, given the inability of the offensive line to protect him at all? Yeah, on that particular play, actually, the offensive line held up good. The problem was it was a short route, so the ball was expected to be out in three steps. He was holding on the ball, trying to make something happen. His receivers weren't working for him, and then all of a sudden, the guy that was running around came back for the strips uh, sack. And uh, that's something that, as a quarterback, you don't want to happen anytime you turn the ball over. But giving your the, your team a short field, that's the demoralizing to a team. And unfortunately, that was one that Ben had to now do over again. He just throw it away and, and and look for another down. Yeah, right. What happened on the on the uh, inter the first interception when Ch uh, Chase Claypool kept running? Should Chase have read that differently, or did Ben just was was he just hoping for some like Antonio Brown style magic to happen there? <laughs> I think that pretty much was it. But I think when you look at just the manner of the design of the route, it was a wheel route, meaning out, up. And unfortunately, there was pressure that was caused on that play. Ben tried to step up. And at the moment of the indicator, meaning when Chase is now going to determine whether he's going inside release or outside release, Ben took the route to say he's going to work outside. The ball was thrown as he dipped up underneath uh, uh, inside. You can see Apple right there for the interception. And that was one of those things. The timing of it was just one of those things that were off. And I can understand where both sides were at. Worst case scenario, you were hoping it may be an incomplete pass, not a turnover in that situation. A lot of people are, are disappointed with Chase's year this year, and I think he would probably say the same for himself. But, Charlie, how, how do you fix what seems to be uh, mental with him? Like, he, he's leaving his feet on almost every play. The underthrown ball in L.A. where he low-pointed it and fell for no reason, and the Steelers ended up coming away with no points, or his inability to get separation down there and just high-point the ball and, and utilize his size. How, how do you adjust midseason? 
Yeah, it's tough to adjust midseason, and this is one of the things that when I looked from the expectations of what I wanted to see from Chase Claypool was now that elevation from year one to year two, meaning showing me more on the route tree that you're capable of doing. We all know you can run past people. You did that last year. You caught people off guard, and then as defensive coordinators start to catch up, they're saying, listen, we're going to take that away from you. Similar to what the Steelers were attempting to do with Jamar Chase as a rookie as he was taking the league by storm and coordinators caught up. So right now what you're seeing by Chase Claypool is the fact that everything deep and there's nothing underneath, meaning you don't see a lot of slant routes, you don't see curl routes, you don't see in routes or posts. And those are things that coordinators are saying, listen, just play off of him and then bounce on anything else in front. And that's the challenge that Chase is having, but he has to just be more consistent in his route running. And unfortunately, there's not a lot of creativity in this Matt Canada offense. So you're not going to see those other routes. And I just don't see at this point of the season that evolution of Chase now taking that next step that we expected to see coming into the year. If it doesn't happen this year, it probably won't happen until next year. Do you think Matt Canada is on a super hot seat right now? I think he is. And I think when you look back at just the manner of the offense, everybody immediately quickly pointed out and said, hey, this was Randy Feekner. Look what he did first 11 games. And he faltered at the end, let alone he, he was not brought back on a contract. So now when you elevate Matt Canada up until this point, listen, the expectations are the same. They're averaging less than 16 points a game. This team consistently cannot drive the ball 75 yards down the field after a kickoff return. So these are things that you're starting to see. So if the defense is not creating short fields or turnovers for this offense, this offense becomes stagnant. And right now the creativity and the jet sweeps, those things are out the door, especially if they get behind. So I understand the frustration that Ben Roethlisberger has with this offense you know if you know and I'm on record stating from week one to week two that there was no flexibility from Ben Roethlisberger at the line of scrimmage to now audibilize we're seeing that happening right now and just players that I talk to around the league when they look at this Steelers offense they say this is probably the most predictable offense that they have to face and there's not a lot of game planning that they have to do when they prepare for this offense so when players are talking about this those things are alarming because we're seeing it on the TV but yet there's no adjustments that are being made Charlie Batch from the Pittsburgh Steelers Radio Network post game. Charlie, always a pleasure, man. Thanks for making time for us. We'll talk to you next week. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, fellas. Charlie Batch there on the DVE Morning Show. Randy Bauman, Bill Crawford, Val Porter, Mike Prasuda. 102.5 WDVE. It's the Steelers Blitz on SNR. Wesley Euler with you here solo on a Thursday. So you know what that means. When we come back here, we're going to hit the tweets. I got a bunch from you guys already that we will get to. Last chance, you knuckleheads. I'll take your questions, your comments, your concerns, your reactions on the Steelers, on football, or on life in general. At Wesley Euler on the Twitter.com. That's how you get involved with the show. We'll do that on the other side. We'll also hear a little bit from Cam Hayward. And we'll do a little advanced scouting of the Ravens. We'll do a little three things Thursday here. I'll tell you three things that I think Baltimore does well. Three areas where they're struggling. We'll do all that when we come back to wrap up the show in the one o'clock hour. So don't you dare go anywhere. You're listening to the Steelers Blitz on SNR.